Welcome to the Adventure Mechanic SideQuest. I'm Chandler, and today I want to talk about making a game feel unique. Gamers always want to play something new. That's no surprise to anyone. Something that isn't what they've played a billion times before. Coming up with a completely new design is almost impossible, though. You have to forget everything that you've played before and everything you've seen as well. For a truly unique game, you will end up spending more time explaining the world than letting the player play in it. Problem is, most gamers don't actually want to play a truly new or unique game. It takes too much time to learn new mechanics, and not all truly new or unique games are actually fun. So how do we come up with something that feels unique but isn't so radically off of what players expect as to turn them off of your game entirely? Well, today we'll be talking about making a quote-unquote unique game. I've heard that in order to make a game feel unique, it only has to be about 15-30% to 30% different. Why so little? Because the player won't go through the hassle of learning something entirely new, but does want to play something that is different enough from what they've played before that it doesn't feel like they're playing the same thing over and over again. Take the first-person military shooter, for example. It's almost become a meme at this point that you need a gritty modern military shooter in order to be successful. But if you look at the sales numbers of these games, especially the copycats and not one of the mainline games such as Modern Warfare or Battlefield, you'll see that the gamers that want a military shooter don't want to play a slightly crappier version of that AAA game. These games just don't have anything that stands out that's compelling enough to have the gamer put down that AAA game for their military shooter, especially when it has the exact same mechanics and feel. How can you make your game stand out in this crowded genre? Do you even want to compete in such a competitive arena? Before you sit down and commit a huge amount of your time and effort on yet another version of that latest hit, you may want to make sure you have something new or compellingly different first. If you do want to compete in that crowded arena, you're going to have to stand out in some way. A compelling narrative, a new twist on an old mechanic, hell, even an entirely new mechanic, or even a new art style, are all ways to stand out in a crowded field. Even with those, however, it may not be enough to put your game in front of the right eyeballs. You can do everything right and still end up being completely ignored by the gamer you want to attract. That is one of the major hazards of competing in an already established genre. Jeff Engelstein of Ludology has something he calls the Rule of One to come up with a new game. In his Game Tech Classic episode, The Rule of One, he justifies this by stating that by the time you've taught the player how to use all the new mechanics that you've put in, you've already lost them. Hence, you only want to teach one new mechanic when you're making your game. You won't lose the player when you go to introduce it to them. Although Jeff Engelstein works almost entirely in the tabletop space, I think it's a good rule. You may end up having to come up with a wholly new mechanic to really stand out. In our example of the gritty military shooter, one new mechanic could be implementing a cover-based shooting model. Yeah, yeah, I know, every gritty military shooter now has this, but when you look at military shooters before that was implemented, mmm, it was revolutionary. But now it's old hat in, in seemingly every military shooter. Hell, it's even in some shooters that don't even have anything to do with the military. What is a mechanic that we could implement that could shake that up? Open level designs with minimal cover? Maybe not having the hide-to-heal mechanic, or maybe even something more radical, like only gaining health when you get a kill? These are all good ways to reimagine the military shooter. One other design methodology I actually want to talk about comes from Nintendo. 
They search for new and or different takes on existing genres and make sure their implementation is completely different in as many ways as possible. The main idea of the Blue Ocean strategy is to search for your own genre or player base that isn't getting satisfactorily accommodated. If you can find that player base and cater to their needs, you'll be able to find success. This is what they call the Blue Ocean strategy. It's just as hard as standing out in a crowded genre, but in a number of different ways. How could you make Gears of War kid-friendly? Well, if you're Nintendo, you make the squid-tacular game Splatoon. In Splatoon, it's still an area control game like Counter-Strike, but it doesn't emphasize the direct combat between players nearly as much. It's more about how much area each team has covered in their ink by the end of the round. Mechanically, it may have a few similarities, but it stands out by shelving the gritty military aesthetic for something more kid-friendly. Squid teenagers splashing ink all over an arena. Sometimes you have to change your artistic vision to really make it stand out from the crowd. Also, by de-emphasizing direct combat between players, it also makes it more approachable, thus lowering the skill ceiling to make it more approachable for a younger audience. No matter how you approach your designs, keep in mind who you want to cater towards and how you're going to stand out from the crowd. If you're making a commercial game, you'll need to differentiate yourself from all the other games that are trying the exact same thing. And in coming up with a unique design, make sure that it isn't so radically different that you won't be alienating the player base you're aiming for either. A unique feeling game doesn't necessarily have to be completely pulled from the void. Lean in on the existing norms when appropriate, but don't be afraid to change or challenge them to come up with something more compelling. You can accomplish this by taking as much time as practical during the prototyping phase. You really want to explore the design in a number of ways to arrive at mechanics that you rarely, if ever, see in the type of game you're making. In the case of the mapper, I struggled on how to make it work as a cartography game. Since I haven't seen many video games where you make a map as part of the core gameplay loop. As I've probably yammered about before, the first try on the mapper really wasn't what I wanted. It had the basic mechanic of moving around and mapping points of interest, but it didn't have the core of what I think a cartography game really needs, which is mapping terrain, improvements, landmarks, you know, things like that. All it had was mapping points of interest as you came across them. It didn't let you look at the map after you've already mapped the points of interest, making the game significantly more difficult than I initially imagined. It also didn't have any of the secondary or even uh, tertiary? Yeah, tertiary gameplay loops included at all in the initial design, which is something that I felt like I really missed on my first pass of the mapper. I had to look for outside inspiration. I took a look at other casual games like Stardew Valley, Harvest Moon, and Littlewood and examined what they did for their gameplay loops. I then came up with the design I have now, which is a lot more interesting, and I dare say, unique. Although I did examine those games, I ended up coming up with a more thematic interpretation of what a player does in my game. I wasn't really interested in having the player be a jack-of-all-trades, I wanted them to be important, but not all-important. So I decided not to include most of the other things that you could do in those games in the mapper. All of that is a good reminder that game design is an iterative process and it will take a number of tries on a given design to really get to something that really shines. And now that I've talked about the mapper, I should probably say what I've done since the last release. Over the holidays, I went on somewhat of a hiatus on working on it. That being said, I do have a new build for you to try out. 
This build is not by any means a vertical slice of the gameplay I expect to have in the completed game, but it does implement the main mapping components. You can move about the world, recording on your map at your leisure. I've also put in some rudimentary artwork to give it a better feel for what I'm going for. I'm not going to say it's final artwork, but it does get the idea across. Over the last, oh, I don't know how many months since I did the last update. Oof, it's been a while. I put in a questing system, which now includes a number of different types of quests and a fast way to add more types as I think of them. This means you can also accept quests and, more importantly, get them wrong, especially if you aren't careful about the accuracy of your map. Also building off of this, I improved the map generation for both the map space and the physical space that the player will move around in. I rounded it out with a few quality of life things that made working on the mapper much more pleasant. I haven't implemented any of the other map details such as features, animals, or improvements, but they won't be as difficult to add now that the terrain is in a better state. Unfortunately, putting any semblance of a story on top of this is just a pipe dream at this point. Man, I should really get on that artwork as well. Walking around as a monolith isn't very entertaining, is it? Anyway, that's about all that I had for this episode of the Adventure Mechanic SideQuest. For any feedback, please leave a comment. As always, you can find me on Twitter as at JC Suron. I'll talk to you next time.